I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to the BBN. That's for you. Um, they really showed up in a big, big way today and had an impact on the game. They affected the football game in a very positive way. Have you ever heard this place as loud? That's incredible. That's a, a fantastic stat. Uh, thanks again. <laughs> you know, thank you. That's pretty, pretty awesome. No, I, I can't remember that. You know, I, uh, um, I'm sure that's frustrating on their end, but uh, I credit our crowd and a, a home field advantage. And it was really nice to deliver, you know, to, for the fans because we've had things teed up before. I know how it gets and it's hard. You know, we play a tough league. But to have it teed up, to have a sellout, and then come deliver and play like that, I'm happy. You know, really am. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo once again, but I got a terrific guest lined up. Gonna have my buddy Sean Smith from Big Blue Country and host of the Kentucky Daily Podcast. Gonna join us in just a moment to talk some Kentucky football and the plan in place with offensive coordinator Liam Cohen jumping back to the NFL. And for the first time, gonna ask some basketball questions because hey, it's that time of year and the BBN, man, they're high and they're flying high right now. They're contending for uh, the top spot in the SEC. The SEC tournament's right around the corner. And I just watched another basketball game. So I'm up to about five this season. So I feel like I know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Just watched uh, Arkansas beat Florida on the road at Florida, something that not even uh, number one Auburn could do just recently. So, hey, we're going to get to all that interview in just a moment. But before we get to uh, our interview with Sean Smith, something that uh, we missed while we were out on vacation, I did make note of this. I was kind of saving it for a slow time on the SEC calendar, and there wasn't much of anything going on in terms of uh, SEC football news on Tuesday. So I thought it would be a great time to break this out, and it uh, involves all 14 SEC programs, which we love to do more than uh, anybody else, I think, out there providing SEC content. So what is it I'm talking about? The uh, initial preseason rankings from ESPN, the SP+, Plus, which is uh, Bill Connolly's ranking systems, formerly, of course, of uh, SB Nation. Now he's been working for ESPN for a couple of years now. But these are his analytics that uh, he uses a unique formula and the reason I wanted to show these rankings just because they're unusual. You're not going to see many preseason top 25 rankings quite like this one. I'll reveal those in just a second if you missed. These came out two or three weeks ago. But uh, how these come about, these are not subjective rankings. This is a computer model that uh, you insert returning experience, returning production, I think is what he calls it. Recruiting success, how much talent you got on your roster and the recent history or success on the field. So you take those three factors, again, returning production, recent recruiting results, recent results on the field, puts those all into his computer model, and that's how he gets his top 25. So let's cut down to the list here on YouTube. I'll throw it up to the list, and we'll break this down one by one on the audio version. A surprise, right at the top of the rankings, it's not Alabama who you'd think most people are going to have not only as uh, number one in the country, but the SP model's got Ohio State number one. 
But the first team in the SEC, Georgia. SP Plus has got Georgia number two in the country. Now, that's not a complete stunner, I wouldn't think. I mean, I am surprised by that. I think most people would have Alabama and everything they got returning. They'd put Alabama ahead of Georgia at this point in time. But uh, it's not like Georgia's going to fall off a cliff here. So, Georgia number two in the preseason rankings. Pretty surprising. So, number three, no surprise. (laughs) If Alabama was any further down this list, we could probably just trash it and say it's not worth anything. So, Thankfully, he's got number three, Alabama, on the board after a 13-2 season. And don't forget the SEC champions, Alabama Crimson Tide. Number three, that's still a little too low for me, but, you know, I guess I could see that. Uh, You you just never know. And then here, we're going to get things exciting here. The hype train is, uh, it's been going on for two or three years now in College Station. And here, according to uh, ESPN SP+, Texas A&M, number six, in the country, I think every Aggie coming off that 8-4 and four season, they'd be happy with the preseason ranking in the top 10, number 6 in the country. They're going to have to prove it on the field, but, hey, they got all the talent and the coaching in the world to get that done. So Texas A&M, number 6, probably a little high for me, to be honest with you, but, again, not a stunner. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you on it. But how about this one? This one's for the big Tennessee homer. This is pretty stunning to me. Tennessee, number nine in the country, coming off a seven and six season. So the SP Plus model loves the Volunteers and what they got returning because I'm not, (laughs) again, this is three models here. What you did on the field recently, you're recruiting and what you're returning. And Tennessee, you know, I'm not sitting here saying they've not recruited well because they are a top 20 recruiter for sure, but it's uh, not recent results can certainly factor Tennessee number nine, but I guess this model really loves high-flying scoring offenses. So Tennessee, again, number nine in the country. I think that's going to raise some eyebrows. Again, I think that's a little too rich for my blood when you're talking the Tennessee Vols. But that's where S&P Plus has got them. Now, how about this one? Here's another stunner, and it goes to what I was saying. That this model must love high-flying offensive scoring machines because they'd be dancing in the streets here in Starkville if Mississippi State finishes as high as number 12 in the country. That's where SP Plus has got the Mississippi State Bulldogs right now, number 12 in the country, coming off that 7-6 and season, which had certainly some highs. And, uh, you know, so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball returning for Mike Leach and company. I think certainly this suggests, this projection thinks, that uh, that is going to lead to just more progress on that side of the ball. I thought uh, the Bulldog defense took a little bit of a step back which I was not anticipating because Zach Arnett did such a good job his first year. Just, again, I think they took a slight step back on that defense, started giving up a lot of explosive plays, at least more than they did the year prior. So we got to fix that if we're going to finish as high as number 12 in the country. But that's where ESPN S&P Plus has got the Bulldogs right now. Now how about this one? Number 18, Florida Gators. Billy Napier's debut season. That's not where the standard is with the Florida program, but I think they'd be happy with a top 20 team this season and, and particularly entering the season. Now, we'll ha- they're gonna, certainly going to have to earn it right off the bat here. Utah, uh, they got Tennessee week four. I mean, it's not going to be easy for the Florida Gators who, based on this model, all the, 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 uh, the first month of the season, they're facing three teams ranked higher than them. And considering Florida's 18, that gives you just an, a, an idea of just how 
tough this schedule is going to be right out the gate for Billy Napier and company, but a lot of respect for that Gator roster and the talent on that team, according to the ESPN. Now this one, I, I don't think this team's getting enough respect here. Number 21, Kentucky Wildcats coming off a 10-3 and season. I think you got to put them ahead of Florida, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. Just, that's just my opinion. You know, We'll see how it goes. There's, there's so much time. I'm not ready to give my official predictions or anything, but number one, Kentucky. I think most Kentucky fans are going to fight you on that one. Top 15 status for the Wildcats. I think they've earned that coming off uh, their second 10-win season in four years here. I mean, they, and the talent is, uh, you know, I know they lost a couple of players to the NFL, but this defense could be really, really good based on uh, what they've been recruiting in recent seasons, and the offense may be even better. So, you know, we'll have to see who they hire to replace Liam Cohen. That'll go a long way to determining how good this offense is. But 21, I, I'm not buying that. I think my stock's a little bit higher on Kentucky. And then here, this team may be the ultimate wild card in the SEC. Could see him go either way here, up or down this rankings. Number 22, Ole Miss coming off a 10-3 and season. And, again, I, would, I got no problem if you want to rate Ole Miss a little bit higher than this, given everything Lane Kiffin's accomplished. But at the same time, so much coaching turnover, so much roster turnover. Now, they have supplemented that, of course, with the transfer portal. And how quickly can they get a lot of these players up to speed? That remains to be seen, but they've done a hell of a job so far there in Oxford getting transfers and players that uh, were playing in a completely different system up to speed. So, you know, I got confidence in Lane Kiffin. I think, you know, the more I, more I talk about it, I think you got to put Ole Miss at least inside the top 20. So I think Ole Miss, you got to give them a little bit better than 22. That's, that's just my opinion. Now, uh, here again, another surprising one, number 25, the Auburn Tigers. Not sure what we're seeing here with the Auburn Tigers. I know all the off the drama. Now, maybe that uh, galvanizes his team and gets everybody down there on the plains behind Brian Harson. And this proves to be uh, a wise, wise call here by the SP+. Plus. But uh, Auburn coming off a 6-7 and seven season, losing their final five. Don't see any way that uh, they have earned a top 25 billing at this point in time. But that's where ESPN SP Plus has got them. Now, again... Perhaps the most disrespected team, not only in the SEC, but maybe the country, the Arkansas Razorbacks, number 28, coming off a 9-4 and four season. Not sure how you got Auburn ahead of them, or Florida, or Mississippi State, maybe even Tennessee. So, you know, that's number 28. I don't get it. Arkansas, you got to rate them in your preseason top 25. Uh, you got Maybe you got to adjust your model if Arkansas is outside of it. Not saying they should be – you know, top five in the country. I've seen some people suggest, you know, top 10. That's that's a little too rich for my blood. But uh, I certainly think Arkansas can get there. Hell, they did it last season. They were top 10 when they went into Georgia. So not saying, uh, you know, they can't reach that heights, but they've got to prove a little bit something to me. So I, I'd probably have Arkansas around mm, 15, 15 to 20, that range. So not sure I'm agreeing with this 28 ranking, but that, again, this is not my model. This is uh, ESPN SP Plus here. And then big drop off here, LSU Tigers, number 45 in the country. And again, I'm, I'm not buying that either because I know there's a lot of defections there in Baton Rouge this offseason, but hell, they're, they're another one that's really hit the transfer portal hard. They're bringing in a coach that knows how to win. 
expects to win championships. I'm fine with uh, LSU not being ranked in the top 25, but I think by the end of the season, there's an outstanding chance they're there. So 45, again, too low for me. I'd probably put them closer to 35, but that's just me there. They are coming off a six and seven season. Very disappointing. Got to get that bad taste out of my mouth before uh, we see LSU ranked in a preseason poll, in my opinion. Now, this one, this most bizarre one of all, South Carolina, 49. What? Coming off a 7-6 and six season. You know, we know all the transfer additions they've had. A lot of staff continuity in Columbia. Only replacing two assistants, I believe. And 49. Hmm. I mean, they were Jekyll and Hyde at times last year, but I think South Carolina is poised to be, uh, you know, one of the biggest risers in the SEC this season. Again, not sitting here saying they need to be ranked in the preseason. Not that I would actually have an, an issue with that. I, You know, if you put South Carolina 25, I'm not going to fight you on it. But maybe you got to let them earn that ranking. But, hell, they beat Auburn, and Auburn's sitting here at 25. I'd, I'd probably flip Auburn and South Carolina at this point. So South Carolina 49 cannot wait for the mentions to uh, get blown up with that ranking. That That's a wild one. Now, again, this one I think uh, also underrated. Number 54, Missouri Tigers coming off a 6-7 and seven season. Now, obviously, last year was very disappointing. High hopes there in Columbia last fall, but it's hard for me to think that uh, there's 53 better teams in the country than Missouri. I mean, this is not a team that uh, is going winless in the SEC or something, and that's kind of what this 54 ranking indicates to me. I mean, it, hell, Missouri is probably going to finish with uh, you know a 500 – SEC record or better so you gotta put them I would think in the top 40 I mean 54 is kind of ridiculous maybe this is a factor of just losing Tyler Beatty losing your starting quarterback there's not a lot to work with there in terms of uh, returning experience at those two key positions and maybe that's what this model's factoring in but hey don't shoot the messenger Missouri Tigers 54 I'm not saying I agree with it but that's where that's where this model has them now, last and kind of least here, Vanderbilt, 113, according to this model, after a 2-10 season. Now, I should add the little caveat here, maybe a little, a little ray of sunshine here for the Commodores. Bill Connolly, he's the one that uh, does this computer metric here. He's got the Vanderbilt poised to be one of the most improved teams in the country, according to his model. Now, ranking them 113th in the preseason if they're most improved. Uh, you know, you got to imagine they're going to crack the top 100. I, let's hope to God here. I mean, it can't be that bad again. So, you know, that just gives you an idea of where they're starting from scratch there in Vanderbilt. Just brought in a recruiting class that uh, one of the best in school history that they're pretty proud of. So a lot of those freshmen, I got to imagine, are going to be play day one here if uh, Vanderbilt's uh, ranking is this damn low. All right, so hey, enough of the list. <laughs> this really is the list season. That's why Cousin Shane calls it that. Uh, but uh, let's kick it over to our interview again with Sean Smith from Big Blue Country and the Kentucky Daily Podcast. All right, well, we're pleased to once again be joined by Sean Smith, who is the host of the Kentucky Daily Podcast, the Sources Say show on Kentucky Sports Radio, and, of course, uh, the outstanding website Big Blue Country 
gbbcountry.com. Give Sean a follow at gbbcountry on the Twitter machine. Sean, thanks so much for joining me once again. I really appreciate you. Mike, I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having me back on again. Yeah, and I was joking uh, before we hopped on. Just another reason to like you, man. You're you're a fellow Green Bay Packer fan, so uh, we suffer these uh, these postseasons of expectations uh, equally. You know what? Well, yeah, we do. It's it's been a decade now where I get my hopes up, and then uh, an early playoff exit or an <laughs> NFC Championship exit. But uh, I've been a Packers fan ever since I was five years old. Wow. And my dad got me a football signed by the entire Green Bay Packers team is like, I think the 96 team. And that was the only reason I became a Packers fan. It gave me a reason to kind of follow them. Uh, you would think I'd be a Bengals fan growing up in Kentucky. I pulled for them in the Super Bowl, but I've always been a Packers fan ever since that moment. Yeah. And uh, the last time they won the Super Bowl, what was it? 2010, I think it was. Uh, I went up to the opener of the 2011 seasons to celebrate the championship and prior to that, it was the day before they were having a big fan rally, and Chad Clifton was there. Of course, uh, he's the only guy I know, Tennessee Vol, that won a national championship, won a Super Bowl. He signed a football, threw it into the crowd, and I was holding a HD camcorder, brand new, but I still jumped, and I got that bad boy. So I was I was willing to sacrifice a camera. That's how much uh, I like Chad Clifton and the Packers. So I'm glad that we share that in common. But moving on from that, of course, another thing we share the Kentucky Wildcats, you, you know, you cover them as well as anybody there for BigBlueCountry.com. And, you know, before we get to the big news here that just happened, Liam Cohen, of course, jumping back to the NFL. You know, I know that's that's tempered expectations slightly, but before I even ask you about that, you know, this upcoming football season, coming off a 10-win season, a 5-3 and three SEC record, can you recall a time when Kentucky – as uh, you know, Kentucky fans have been anticipating a football season more than they currently are right now. No, I think in recent years, you've had those seasons where they have anticipated a lot of success. I think there was a ton of optimism around this season we just had in Lexington. With, when, and Liam Cohen was a big part of that, that change in the offensive culture, the, the guys they had returning, a quarterback that everybody had their hopes up for. But, no, I think that this is the one now, especially on the offensive side, because, Mike, they have a quarterback that they know going into the season. Well, That's been the biggest question mark of Mark Stoops' tenure has been what are they going to do at quarterback? Do they have a guy there that is talented enough to win them games with his arm? We saw that they have that. Uh, even though Liam Cohen's gone, you still got to feel really good about Will Levis leading the charge offensively, the, op the guys that they brought in at wide receiver – they do have some question marks on that side of the ball, but the buzz is growing for Kentucky to have another big year, and, and I think the fan base is excited about it. I know basketball is really good right now, but you still see a lot of people talking about football. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I can't remember a time that's I've seen that from the Kentucky fan base, but it is there. So, obviously, the elephant in the room, Lee and Cohen off to the NFL. Again, I, I think you make a great point. I'd rather – I think the players matter a whole lot more than coaches in college football. Uh, you know, that's why Alabama and Georgia, you always see them at the, you know, no disrespect to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. They're outstanding, but their teams are outstanding because they collect all this talent. And Mark Stoops has been able to do that, stacking, you know, the best classes in, in program history on top of each other. So, you know, how big of a hit do you think this is with Liam Cohen going off uh, to the NFL and, and particularly with uh, spring football just right around the corner? 
Mike, I knew the moment that I talked to Liam Cohen. I had him on Kentucky Daily maybe a couple weeks after he got the UK job. He did a Zoom with UK media. I knew he wasn't going to be in Lexington very long, especially if if it was a success. He just had that kind of that pedigree, that that mentality, that personality that kind of screamed a future star. And, and you're seeing it now. But I think the biggest hit is, like you said, so close to spring ball. You hate to have to kind of break in someone new at, the, at this point. And I have no idea what direction Mark Stoops is going to go with this hire. I know I keep saying that when they hired Liam Cohen, I don't think any of us had an idea it was Liam until the deal was pretty much done. And it kind of came out on that Sunday, and then they made the hire official. Uh, I think they're going to go with someone that is going to kind of keep the same philosophy in place. I think that they've established that. I think Mark Stoops wants to be a heavy – ground game with the with the passing attack that is explosive you saw that this year with Wondell Robinson they still leaned on their ground attack but they wanted to make the big play in the air as well I think that's the direction they'll go and and I think Stoops obviously he's had probably a week to really kind of digest this and start kind of getting his options together because I think they all knew if Liam was eventually offered he would take it so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wanting to say Stoops has probably had four or five six days here to kind of sit on it and, and talk to the rest of his staff and get some targets in mind. And I think it's going to come down to who does he trust the most or does he take some advice from Liam? Is there a guy that Liam wants to point and say, hey, he can kind of do this same thing. You got Scott Woodward there on staff. I think that would be too big of a jump to go from a guy that was a quality control guy a year ago, started mixing in with the wide receivers. That's a huge jump for someone. But if they want to keep it in-house, possibly. Uh, But I would expect Stoops to probably move quickly with this. I mean, spring ball is just around the corner here. Mm -hmm. Any chance now, you know, I think it's just – Pure speculation and, and Kentucky fans having fun, but I got to ask Dan Mullen, uh, any chance you could see someone like that? Because, you know, not that I think that's realistic, but it's almost like Kentucky because of the because of the calendar right now. You're basically you may have to get a guy that's that was a head coach that was fired with an offensive background because I don't know how many assistants are, are going to be willing to to leave their program right before spring football. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, too, because it kind of looks like TV is going to be the thing for him until a, another Power Five takes a shot on him as a head coach. I know he, he right. did some stuff there with the college football playoff. Uh, I'm not going to completely rule it out. I mean, that's a guy that is proven in that position. You would uh, you'd definitely do away with some of the things that, they've doing, that they're doing right now. You would have no under center running game if Mullen was the guy, but he's been really good out of the shotgun, especially with quarterbacks running the football. Will Levis, we saw that late in the season how good he could carry the football and do some things there. I, I don't think that'll be the direction he'll go, but I think it's intriguing to at least talk about it because that's a guy that you would think may be entertaining mm-hmm. if he was talked to about it. And, again, it, it would speak, I think, to Kentucky's program and just how far they've come that, you know, you're getting potent- – I mean, it, this is such a hypothetical, but, you know, maybe the best Mississippi State coach ever, a guy that's led Florida to multiple 10-win seasons to come in as an offensive coordinator, that that would be a coup in my opinion. But let me ask you, you know, a more uh, less speculative question here. But to Will Levis, does this hurt his, uh, you know, chances at having a big season next year, or is that maybe going a step too far? I don't think it hurts. I think what he learned under Cohen last year, I think he will take into this year as well. You saw Will's confidence continue to grow, especially in November and then in that bowl game. Some of the throws that he made, they started mixing in the run. I think that that Will was a guy that just needed to play. He just needed to play and kind of develop. And, and I think that Liam did an excellent job 
developing mm-hmm. him last year. And I think that Will's going to carry. I would be more concerned, Mike, if Kentucky had a, a question at quarterback going into this year with a new offensive coordinator. The fact that they have an established quarterback that looked really, really good at times, especially late in the year, that kind of eases some of my concerns about them breaking in a new offensive coordinator. If, if you didn't have that experienced quarterback, uh, you've got a running back in Chris Rodriguez that you can lean on again, that if he stays healthy is going to be Kentucky's all-time leading rusher if mm-hmm. he has the year that he had this past season. You've added some guys at wide receiver, Tavion Robinson, Javon Baker from Alabama. You've got your tight end and Keaton Upshaw that's going to be healthy coming back. Your biggest question mark now is on your tackles. You lost two. You lost Aaron Kennard. You lost Aaron Rosenthal. You lost your center uh, there in Luke Fortner. You have Eli Cox. You have some pieces there on the offensive line that they're going to have to mix in, breaking in a new offensive uh, line coach too as well. The, 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 Ross, the, the staff turnover has been the biggest thing for the last three years, and I think a lot of that, Mike, is because of the success that Kentucky's having as a program. Mm-hmm. If you've got other places, the NFL, other colleges coming in, and wanting your staff, you're doing something right. And that's been the case since 2018. They've Matt House has left. Uh, you've had, obviously, Eric Wolford go to Alabama with Nick Saban. You've had Liam Cohen now to the NFL. I mean, you're, you're losing guys, but that's just, to me, that's a product of being very good on the field, and that's a sign of a very good program. Uh, and Mark Stoops is, is having to juggle that now, and I, I think he'd rather be doing that than, than not. Right, right. Now, who's do you think is going to step up at receiver with uh, Wandale Robinson, off to the NFL. I mean, he was just historically good. It's be unfair. I'm not asking, you know, if there's going to be another Wandell because I, that's asking way too much. But, you know, one guy that you mentioned that I that I really think is going to be critical, Tavon Robinson, very productive receiver for Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, maybe him or, or is it, I know Kentucky signed multiple uh, very touted high school receivers here in recent classes. So, uh, you know, any any names you're thinking that uh, will step up at the receiver position for the Wildcats? I think you got to start with Robinson for sure, given what he he accomplished at Virginia Tech. I think he's going to be a guy that from the moment he steps foot on campus, Will Levis will have a relationship with and kind of trying to build what he had with Wondell at that position. Uh, Chris Lewis is a guy that they had last year, a freshman that was a highly touted guy from the class before. I think He's got potential. Dickel Crowdis is a guy that missed all of last season that was going to make an impact as a true freshman at that position as well. I think the tight end spot is going to be big for them. You saw Isaiah Cummings have a big year last year at times. I know he had injuries late. He can uh, he can do some stuff at wide receiver, can play some tight end. Keaton Upshaw coming back. That's a that's a guy that we didn't really talk about last year. That that offense would have been even better had they had him. I think he could have led them in touchdown catches, especially in the red zone. That'll be a big target for Will Levis, but he, he's got some pieces there for sure that he can work with. Now, I don't know, Sean, how much uh, you know thought and consideration you've put into uh, you know the upcoming SEC schedules, not only for Kentucky, but Kentucky's opponents, but the opening SEC game at Florida, week two of the season, and the Gators, they open at home against Utah, which just played in the Rose Bowl. People are, are touting this Utah up as a top 10 opponent. So let's just say week one of the Billy Napier era, I, I certainly think it's safe to say they're going to be underdogs at home to Utah. I'm not guaranteeing Florida's going to lose that game, but if they do, you know, I think Kentucky is going to be going in to Gainesville as a favorite, or at least many, many people are going to be picking Kentucky to win that football game. How wild is it as uh, someone that's followed this program for as long as you have? I mean, for years and years, it was 
when are you going to beat Florida? When are you going to beat Florida? And now we're potentially saying you're going to be favored in Gainesville. Can you believe that the, the, pro, the football program's come that far? No, I honestly cannot. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, that series being played and, and Kentucky would be competitive, especially when it was in Lexington and then would lose in heartbreaking fashion late. I think the biggest thing, Mike, was doing it again, right? Mm-hmm. You did it in 2018. You won, you won in the swamp. And then the next thing became, okay, how do you beat them in Lexington? They let one slip away in 2019. They got embarrassed in 2020 during the COVID year. But then they bounced back last year at home. It was one of the best environments ever at Kroger Field. And the way that Kentucky's played that series since Mark Stoops got in Lexington, I'm not sure there's a program that you face on your SEC schedule that you have a lot more confidence in Kentucky being competitive with than Florida, given the way that it's been played the last seven to eight years. Uh, that's really going to be an exciting game there early in the SEC schedule. We know if Kentucky wins that game, it usually sets them up to have a big year like it did in 2018. And last year, uh, that seems to be the uh, key ingredient to getting to that 10-win season. Uh, it'll be a big one to start SEC play in week two for sure for both teams. Now, I'm hoping you could provide some insight. We've got a lot of LSU listeners. And, of course, they hired Matt House, a guy that you know very well, was a defensive coordinator there for Mark Stoops a couple of years ago when – the, the last time Kentucky won 10 games in the in a season. Uh, what do you What's LSU getting in Matt House, and, and how do you grade that hire? You think that's a solid hire by Brian Kelly? I think it's a very solid hire. I, I was uh, kind of disappointed when Matt left Kentucky a couple of years ago, especially after the first you know 10-win season. You thought, okay, Kentucky's going to have some continuity here on staff. I, th- I think Matt is a, a really good guy. He works very hard. Uh, worked his way into that defensive coordinator position at Kentucky. And then you saw uh, Mark Stoops go the route of Brad White. And then Brad White was on staff under Matt. And then he promoted Brad. So uh, very, very good hire. I know Brad White was a guy that was mentioned for that job as well at one point. So uh, that's the thing I keep coming back to, Mike, is uh, somebody – a lot of people like what Mark Stoops does at UK and the way that his staff approaches things – and that is, I think, has been the biggest turnaround for Kentucky football. It's been the the continuity that they've been able to have together with Vince Merrill staying as long as he's been on staff. You've had Brad White now entering year five at Kentucky. Mark Stoops been there now a decade. You're losing key pieces every other year. You're losing a coordinator or an offensive line coach or a secondaries coach. But the the kind of the talent pool and then the the coaching tree there that Mark Stoops has. He's able to kind of identify that next guy to come in and keep the thing moving along. But Matt House is a very good, very, very good hire for LSU there, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the time of year, of course, Kentucky fans are, are so, just so involved in basketball and they got a hell of a team once again. I'm the most casual of casual basketball fans. Like this, this is the time of the season I start tuning in. So I'm not going to ask for any deep dives or anything like that because I couldn't even name probably 10 SEC basketball players. But I want to ask you, Sean, as someone that covers that basketball team so well, you know, do you think the Wildcats have what it takes to uh, win the SEC tournament here in a couple of weeks? They do, and then I think they have what it takes to to win the one after that. They have they have all the collective pieces when you put them together to make a serious run at the NCAA tournament. But it's one of those things, Mike, where they have to have every single guy healthy. Uh, this isn't a team that's loaded with NBA talent like John Calipari's had in the past. I know Tata Washington is a guy that could be a lottery pick. Oscar Sheboy could be National Player of the Year, and he's not showing up on every draft board. Uh, mm-hmm. They have really good college basketball players that have bought into their individual roles, and collectively I think they're one of four or five teams that could cut down the nets and win a national championship here in a few months or a few weeks. And like I said, I'm super casual, so hey, don't hold me against my opinion here, but – 
the games that I have watched, I mean, Auburn looks good, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, of course, you know, those look like your four contenders, but it certainly looks like it's going to be an entertaining tournament because uh, just based on the, the little I've seen, it, it seems like all those teams are capable of hanging with one, one another. Am I correct in that? You are correct. I think that that SEC tournament in Tampa is going to be a very good four or five day stretch for the league. I think they're going to dominate TV ratings that week because the league is so good from top to bottom. Uh, the, the teams at the top, you're talking, you have Kentucky and Auburn there in contention for a one seed. You have Tennessee, who's in a top three or four seed in the NCAA tournament as it stands today. You have an LSU team that's capable of winning, Alabama capable of getting hot. The biggest thing for the league on the football side, you have all these big name head coaches. Mm -hmm. basketball basketball made that transition and started getting very good hires when rick barnes moved to the league from texas when bruce pearl got the job at auburn you're, you're seeing the the head coaches the, the big names come to the sec and you're seeing more of a balanced league it's not just kentucky's league anymore you have all these other teams that are there it's it's the same thing on the football side you want to see that balance and that that competitiveness across from top to bottom you're seeing that in basketball as well and i just think that uh the league is very, very good. I think it's the best league in college basketball this year. Well, the BBN, are they taking over Tampa? Because I live here in Nashville, and during SEC tournament time, this town turns blue, man, during that, that tournament. It's, it's always wild to see when, uh, when those fans come south. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how many people make the trip, but I would fully expect Kentucky to have the biggest crowd there. I know when it was in St. Louis a few years ago, it, it was the same, but it's never what it is in Nashville. When it's in Nashville – it's not very far for Kentucky fans, but the, the biggest difference with this, Mike, is those guys and those fans that go to the SEC tournament, those aren't a lot of season ticket holders. Those are people that save their money, and that's their vacation. They literally take the SEC tournament as their vacation week, and then they go and they say, all right, let's spend four days in Nashville, four days in Tampa, and then that's what makes Kentucky fans so great and so special is uh, a lot of those aren't even your season ticket holders. Those are your, your people that circled that week early in the season and save up money and say, hey, we're going to do this for this week for our family. We're going to go down here and take the kids and, and watch them win an SEC tournament. I, I think that's what makes it so special. Yeah, I'm right, th I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Well, hey, that's all I got for you. I really appreciate you. Sean Smith, again, the host of the Kentucky Daily Podcast. Got to check out all his work at BigBlueCountry.com. And don't forget to give him a follow on Twitter at GBBCountry. Sean, I really appreciate you for joining me once again. Anytime, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, so just want to say thanks again, Sean, for joining the program. I hope I didn't uh, come across as quite the fool here asking a couple basketball questions, but, hey, it's just that time of year, and who knows? I may even get Cousin Shane to break down a game or two here in, in basketball. I'm thinking more about the uh, the SEC tournament. We'll, we'll have an eye on that to be sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm out of my depth when I'm talking basketball, so I'm not trying to pretend that I know what the hell I'm talking about because I don't, but I do enjoy, at least this season, watching some of these games, so many good teams here in the SEC. So, hey, I say all that to say this. I appreciate you, Sean, for not mocking me too hard. Tough times there for uh, Kentucky and, you know, all the momentum they got there with the football program, spring football just around the corner. Now they're searching for an offensive coordinator that is not an ideal position to be in, obviously. So I appreciate Sean taking the time to kind of share his thoughts on the state of the football program. But hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. And of course, as always, if you made it this far, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating 
on the Apple Podcast app, and now you can rate us on Spotify as well. So give us a uh, written review, and we'll give you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.